This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B-Bass. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me at B not B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Castbox, or online at podpeople.me or keepscreaming.com. This week we are dissecting 1983's The House on Sorority Row, directed by Mark Rossman. But first our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movie this week, as well as life updates. Uh, I just got back from, well, not just got back, I'm about a week back from a week-long trip to Chicago. Um, so I work for Starbucks, and our leadership summit was out in Chicago. It was it was three days long, but I decided to go out early. Um, luckily, I have some friends out there, uh, Megan Cassidy, who is one of the writers and like one of the founders of Ghastly Grinning, and her fiancé, um, Chris, both live out there, and they invited me to come out early and stay with them so I got to experience Chicago kind of on my own terms um, and it's a really awesome city if so we're west coast based if you're just now listening for the first time uh, we're in Sacramento and we're also just born and raised California kids um, I mean I think between the two of us we've covered pretty much the entire coastline but um, but yeah we were definitely born and raised on the west coast so it's always interesting to go that far east and uh i apparently i went during the perfect time of year they call it patio season um it's right when the humidity breaks and right before it gets really cold so it's super beautiful out and not too hot and everybody's outside because they're just trying to enjoy it as much as they can before it gets too um like too wintry so it was uh, an awesome experience i definitely if you get a chance the first and second week of september head <laughs> up to chicago because it's 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 weird because if you're born and raised on the West Coast, like California is, you know, still so new in the U.S. Yeah. So when you go out to a city as old as Chicago, like, you forget how much history there is in the country. And, like, you can just see it in the architecture and in the city. And, like, you just don't get that as much out here. Um, so it's just very interesting to experience. But it was cool. I got to go to Wrigley Field and uh, saw Soldier Field and... Um, Went to the Bulls Arena, so I did all the fun sports stuff, and I saw the Bean, the touristy thing, and uh, John Legend played. It was it was an awesome experience. Uh, so no big deal. John Legend played. Yeah, John Legend played. Common was there. It was cool. It was really cool. Um, very fortunate to work for a company that cares about its employees like that. So uh, that was like our my my big life thing. Um, and then for both of us, as for all of you, we obviously just passed uh, Friday the thirteenth. We did. Which is always like, I love being a horror fan and Friday the 13th passes because people who aren't into horror don't understand 
that it's like a mini holiday for us. We're like, oh, it's like bonus Halloween. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you going to celebrate? And it was extra cool that it was on the, like the harvest moon. Um, so everyone was super stoked about that. So I, I did watch that plays into what I watched I, um, that night. I watched Friday the 13th part six, which is Jason lives. Cause I wanted to watch one of the, the quote unquote newer ones. Um, cause B and I just did one and two and I've seen the older ones a lot to the point where they're in my head very like pretty well, but the, a lot of the newer ones still kind of blend together. Yeah. So I wanted to rewatch that, which I, I really do enjoy. Like the more I watch the series, the more I, I really enjoy come to love it that one's very very meta like lots of, there's a lot of like it's the one where jason at the beginning does like a james bond intro so it's very tongue-in-cheek um and it knows what it is and i definitely enjoyed that then i also watched dog soldiers um by neil marshall he did the descent and he did the new hellboy movie um it's one of his very first movies if you guys haven't seen dog soldiers it's on amazon prime it's such a cool werewolf movie i think it gets overlooked a lot. Um, I always forget how much I love werewolf movies and how much I wish there were more of them. Um, but Yikes. it's about a Scottish like special ops team that is in a war game with another like paramilitary group, and they get dropped into the Scottish Highlands and they realize that there's werewolves around and they have to survive the night with werewolves. Um, but like low budget, but the super cool effects, really brutal. Um, like super tight fun low budget horror movie so definitely check it out and then lastly I'll touch on obviously the biggest horror movie of the year dropped finally in chapter 2 so the day I got back from my vacation in Chicago before I had to go back to work I was like okay I'm going to round out this vacation properly and I'm going to go see it and uh, so I went alone it was it's nice every once in a while I'll just go to the movies alone and kind of like enjoy it and uh I mean, it's almost three hours, so it's long, but I think it earns it. Um, James McAvoy and Jessica Chastain, that's her, right? That's her, yeah, are good. They're very good. Um, but Bill Hader steals absolutely every scene he's in. James Renzone from the Sinister franchise um, plays grown-up Eddie, also just amazing. Um, Sarsgaard, 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 Sarsgaard. Sarsgaard. Uh, Bill Sarsgaard. Um, I I always forget. I'm like, is there a K? Is there not a K? There's two different families, right? I don't know. Anyways, uh, obviously amazing as Pennywise. I wish he was in it more. Um, This one really does a lot with the kid, like still with the kids. There's a lot of flashbacks. So there's still a lot of stuff with the kids, which sometimes looks wonky too because they use CG to make them look younger because they were obviously like filming after and you can tell. Um, so that's a little weird, but it's a lot about the bonds of their friendships. So there's a lot of time spent with the characters, which is fine because they're all such talented actors, the kids and the adults. Um, but I did miss Pennywise a little bit because I just didn't get him as much as, as I would have liked because he is so good in that role. But two times in the movie, I was genuinely like creeped out and shocked. So I think it still does a good job of like, it doesn't lose that. I, I don't think it's quite as good as the first one, but, again, Bill Hader is just so damn good in it, it's worth it to see for his performance alone. Um, so carve three hours out if you can to see it in the theater. Um, I know B will have to watch it over, like, eight days when it comes out. True. Very yeah. true. B watched Hustlers. I did. So I, like, got really mad because I somehow 
I mean, I've been traveling a ton, and so I missed Oh, yeah, that. you went to Colorado. Yeah, I she did. She had life stuff, too. I did have life stuff. So I went home to my hometown with my husband for the first... No, not the first time, but only the second time with her son. And we went back and just saw some family and spent the weekend for Labor Day um, doing that. Um, and then I pretty much came home, and then two days later, got on a plane and went to Colorado. So I, like, have not been home at all. Went to Colorado. That is where my sister, uh, my oldest sister lives with her family. We went for four days, just myself and my son. Um, yeah, so I traveled solo with a baby. And I didn't realize until I left that I haven't been on a plane since I've been with my husband. I think we. I've just been so, so busy with school and then as soon as I graduated, we got married, and then we got pregnant, and, like, life just happened, and I really haven't gone anywhere or done anything. Well, anytime we travel, we drive. We always Disneyland, drive, Long yeah. Long Beach, like, anywhere you go home, like, anywhere we go. We I just drive. drive. Um, yeah, drive. And so I was like, holy shit, I've not been on a plane forever. Uh, but it was an incredible trip. I exhausted the hell out of my sister. Uh, we, I tried to fit in as much as I could in the uh, short four days that I was there, which definitely was not long enough for a variety of reasons, but she lives just outside of Colorado Springs, so we went to Garden of the Gods, which is this beautiful outdoor park there with these crazy-ass rock formations. It's just a really beautiful sight. When you're driving through, it looks like, like, cars, like the landscape and cars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, really pretty. Um, we did that. I went into Denver, which is a super awesome city and not what I was expecting. And I definitely want to go back and spend more time there. Uh, cause we just spent, um, the day there we went to the Denver Aquarium. Um, and then we went to like the 16th street mall, which is basically their entire 16th street is all just outdoor shops. It's a very cool. I went at like their best weather as well. Uh, I told my sister, I'm not a snow person I'm not a cold weather person I'm not a storm person she's like okay you can only come and fall then and I yeah. was like okay and still even then every single night there was like thunder and lightning storms at like five o'clock she's like yeah that's how it cools off I'm like I don't think I like this I'm definitely a California girl for sure yep. but it was beautiful and wonderful uh we went up to Estes Park where the Stanley Hotel is which is the hotel that Stephen King stayed at, which inspired him to write The Shining. Uh, the miniseries is, features that hotel, the one directed by Mick Garris. And then uh, the Kubrick Shining uses... That, fi that film was almost completely shot in a studio because, you know, Kubrick's insane and needs everything to look exactly how he wants it. Uh, but room 237, which is actually room 217 at the Stanley Hotel oh, is used. And um, outside shots, right? Exterior shots? Um, no. They're not? Exterior shots are filmed at, like, this place in Oregon. Oh. Yeah. I not know that. It's like a cluster of places. So it's like, yes, But the, the shots of the hotel? Uh-huh. That's not the Stanley Hotel? I don't think so. Hmm. I think it's a hotel in Oregon. Maybe. I don't know. It was literally, like, was the Stanley Hotel, like, filmed in... Or used in The Shining. It was like, yes and no, because blah, blah, blah. But anywho, it was amazing. It was a beautiful historical site. All The Shining stuff and Stephen King stuff was amazing. Um, they don't allow children on the tours. Um, so unfortunately, we couldn't do a tour. Uh, but we did 
take advantage of just sort of wandering the grounds ourselves. And we went upstairs, even though we weren't supposed to, because we're like, well, if they tell us to leave, we'll leave. Uh, it was beautiful. Um, it was awesome. And then Estes Park in general, the town that's there is just as picturesque as it comes and really awesome. And again, a place that I'm like, all right, I need like a separate trip where we just go to Estes Park and we just go to Denver. There's so many amazing things. Uh, so yeah, Colorado was awesome. Um, I'm very fortunate to have, uh, be super close with my sister and my niece and nephew and brother-in-law and spend that time with them. And then to have a really easygoing baby who, you know, suck out four days of literally being in the car for three hours and then airplanes and no naps and strollers and craziness. And he was still as happy as could be. So I feel very lucky, uh, to have had that experience. It was awesome. Um, Within all that craziness, I get home, um, back to Sacramento, and I made plans with um, some of my girlfriends to go to the movies, and not realizing it was Friday the 13th, which I was kind of bummed about. But I did get to see Hustlers because of it, uh, which was really awesome. Uh, Hustlers is the new, like, J-Lo movie. Uh, It's J-Lo, Constance Wu, uh, Cardi Lily B, Reinhardt. Lily Reinhardt, Julia Stiles, right? Julia Boxing Stiles in is in it. Um, Kiki Palmer, who's spectacular in it. Uh, and it's based on a true story, um, about sort of a crime thing that happened with female stripper, female strippers in New York. And this journalist, which Julia Stiles plays this journalist, wanted to tell the story from the women's perspective because she didn't like the headlines and, um, how degrading and how these women, although they were doing criminal things, the way it was being talked about was truly because they were strippers and that was looked down upon. Um, so yeah, it's a really interesting story. All these women act the shit out of it. It's hilarious. Way, way funnier than I was ever expecting. I never saw a trailer. I just knew who was in it. And I was like, oh yeah, that'll be fun. I had very low expectations. It was far exceeded. Uh, super good. Um, the director and Ryan and writer is Lorraine Scafaria. So it's a female you know, movie made by women for women for sure. And I think it's like cleaning up at the box office, which makes me really happy. Uh, looks like she did uh, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, which I really liked. Oh, yeah, uh, the that, Meddler. And the Meddler, the, which I did not see. Yeah, but. Rose Byrne and Susan's But, yeah, so I did watch that. I uh, saw this thing today. Someone, because she's dating Bo Burnham, which I didn't know. But the someone, director? The director. But someone posted on Twitter, and they're like, oh, no wonder that movie's so good. She's dating Bo Burnham. And, like, hella people replied, and they're like, uh, yeah, she wrote and directed two fucking movies before he ever even wrote eighth grade, so I think she's fine. It's like, I just, it's, it's so like, ridiculous. oh, yes, that's why the movie's good, because she's dating this person. Funny. Yeah, it's, and it's like, she's a very much more, like, well-established director, tenured writer, way more than him. It's just, people are so ridiculous. They're funny. I really um, want to see it, though, it, yeah. It was very good. Uh... Yeah, it was great. And also, just forever marveling at the fact that Jayla's 50. Like, I don't understand. She's uh, a gift to man. Oh, she does. But that's still a lot of genetics. Yeah. She's a gift to mankind and womankind and a true pleasure. Uh, I also checked out uh, Late Night, uh, which Amazon bought. So it's streaming on Amazon Prime, the Mindy Kaling directorial debut. Uh, 
And Emma, Emma Thompson? Emma Thompson it? Yeah. stars in okay. it. She's spectacular. It's good. Uh, it definitely is a debut, for sure. But it's super funny. Uh, it's a really great story. Um, and Emma Thompson is just a treasure, for sure. So that was good. Definitely check that out on Amazon Prime. Um, and then I watched randomly. Well, I watched The Shining and Jaws when I was on my trip. Um, obviously I watched The Shining because we were going to go to the Stanley Hotel. And then I watched Jaws because my almost nine-year-old nephew had never seen it and knows I love horror movies and asked his parents if he could watch it. And they said, okay. And he was so pumped. So we went to the aquarium and then we went and watched Jaws. And yeah. I mean, to be fair, that movie is rated PG. <laughs> Yeah, but it's still I, like, it was before the ratings. Yeah, yeah no, everybody's it's a, still it's an intense that. movie. Yeah, no, he did. He did really good. He, you know, he just kept going. Like I don't even get it. Like this isn't scary. You know how I feel like that's the thing kids have to say now. Like that's the new thing. My niece just does that constantly. She's like, oh my god, that movie was boring. It's not even scary. And the whole time they're just talking their way through it to not get scared. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he definitely got freaked out a, a couple times. And my sister was, like, convinced. I think she was, like, thinking of Jaws 4. She was like, oh, my God, B, like, you... Because I was trying to defend Jaws, and she's like, you have to remember, like, you know, the movies that they grew up with, and, like, they can't go back and watch these movies and not think they're corny. And I'm like, yeah, I really don't think Jaws applies to that. And she's like, oh, yeah, it's so bad. It's so fake-looking. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I really don't think so. I just watched it. And so then we watch it. She's like, okay, you're right. It actually looked really good. didn't look fake at all. I was wrong. There's and I'm a like, reason it's a masterpiece. And I was like, yeah, I know. Yes. She's like, I remember Bolts. And I'm like, yeah, wrong Jaws. Yeah, no. <laughs> there is a Jaws movie where you can literally see the Bolts in the uh-huh, shark, uh-huh. for sure. But it is not Jaws. Anywho, um, then the one movie I snuck in why I was home was Eyes of My Mother. On the very drastic opposite side of the spectrum. Yes, which I've, like, heard about, and... It came out, like, two years ago. Yeah, and it ended like, up on, like, a I lot think. of people's top ten lists, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, 2016, uh, it's... I, it's a, is it a Portuguese film? It's, no, It's no, set in Portugal. I don't think it is. He's... I'm, I don't think it is. Anywho. Nicholas Pesci? can't remember how to pronounce his name. I don't Sorry, know, Nicholas, he's directed if you're a of the show. Videos. No, yeah, he's he went to Tish. I mean that doesn't mean he, he's not Portuguese, but it's an American movie, I guess. Uh but it is really intense. It's really, really well done. I can get like I totally understand like all of the fanfare and love for it. Um it's all shot in black and white. Uh it's it's a slow burn. hundred mm-hmm. percent, which I really enjoy most of the time um it's intense and tragic and really graphic and uh heartbreaking and I really really liked it I have like a few it it didn't have enough reward at the end for me um it was a little bleak uh but that's okay uh that's a very small complaint it's on Netflix so definitely something worth checking out yeah and he's doing the new grudge which should be cool because um yeah it's a really uh, raw like movie like Uh 
uh, I love when you get a directorial debut like this, um, and I know his follow-up was pretty well-received, too, and it's also, what's great is his follow-up is, like, drastically different. It's, like, a psychosexual thriller, so to see that he can handle, like, different things. Um, so I'm excited to see what he does with, with the Grudge remake. Um, so the movie we did in celebration with everyone going back to school, uh, but not us because we're old and we're not in school anymore. We graduated and I haven't gone to any sort of like, you know, continuation school since, uh, high school. Um, since a couple of times I've gone back and done a couple college classes, but everyone else is going back to school. So we decided to watch The House on Sorority Row from 1983. Um, alternatively titled House of Evil, which is super generic and boring and I'm really happy they didn't go with that one or seven sisters which is actually pretty accurate but also doesn't really do much for the movie and it sounds like a nun thing yeah it sounds like a nun thing it makes it sound like just very um ambiguous like you, you want to know what it's about it sounds like it would be about like seven sisters <laughs> like like a music uh, like an old uh rogers and hammerstein like musical seven brides for seven brothers yeah 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 just like that it's the it's the sequel to that about the seven sisters that they marry, and they plot to murder all the brothers. Um, they no. are trapped in that cabin all by themselves for a while. Yeah, no, they develop Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. It's really a bizarre movie. Uh, but the synopsis of this movie is, after a seemingly innocent prank goes horribly wrong, like so many other movies in the oh, 80s. God, or but, any slasher yeah, from this time period. A group of sorority sisters are stalked and murdered one by one in their sorority house while throwing a party to celebrate their graduation. Um... I just have to say, watching this movie, and this is a slasher problem throughout, not just 80s movies or anything, but just, if any of you are out there and you accidentally kill someone, please call the police. Do not try to hide it. <laughs> it will be so much better if you just call the police and explain, this was an accident. Like, we did not actually murder her, or we did not mean to murder her, because I swear to God how many movies I've seen, and things just go horribly around. I know that you're not going to get stalked and murdered, realistically, but it's going to be much easier to just explain that something accidentally happened. But, Ryan, their careers, their futures. Yeah, no, I know. It's just, I can't, I can't with these, like, I, it's just so many slasher movies now. We, we've been doing this almost two years now, and I'd be interested to go back through and, like, see how many accidents are, like, the preamble to the actual, like, stop I feel like slash. most of them. Yeah, be, and it's just, like, this never turns out well for anybody. And not only that, screenwriters. <laughs> Different idea. Like, I understand it's easy to just be like, oh, this accident, and now this person, it fits very neatly into the slasher yeah. fold. Yeah, but, like, it's just, uh, watching it, I mean, I've seen it before. B and I have both seen it before, but it's been years, and we're, like, rewatching it. I was just like, oh, yeah, of course, they accidentally kill her, and then they decide... They decide to throw their giant party that night anyways and just hide her in the pool. So, um, so ridiculous. Yeah. Well, this is early. So, it was released in November of 82 and then was expanded countrywide in January of 83. So, this is definitely the very, very beginning of the boom. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's post, like, all of the holiday yeah. knockoffs, all those that came out in, like, 81 after Halloween, but this is before things got let so. Yeah. Um, and it really, it feels early. It actually feels like it should be in the 70s. Yeah, it feels, it fits in very yeah. well with, like, My Bloody Valentine and uh -huh. Black Christmas. Um, it's weird, too, when I was researching, so no idea why it was released in New Mexico first. It was filmed in Maryland, 
and then for some reason it just started regionally in New Mexico. And I was like, oh, maybe the director's from there. Nope. Um, and I was like, maybe they filmed it there. Nope. I have no idea why. They just picked New Mexico. Um, and then it actually did really well, so that's why they expanded it. Yeah, it was uh, was expanded to 150 screens before expanding wider. Grossed 10.6 million on a 425 thousand dollar budget, uh, and it feels I don't know. It feels bigger than that, and not at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Like it definitely. I mean, it seriously gives me like like Halloween vibes as it, far as like the structure of it mm-hmm. and the. Uh, the way they're treating the budget and the care to the seven sisters and uh, the whole time. So I watched it pretty recently, like about six months ago. But when I'm not watching something without the lens of knowing we're going to do an episode on it, watch it in much different light. So this time, even though I had just seen it, I'm like, no, I need to watch it again. Because like I always like to go in thinking about these things that we're going to talk about. And I just kept thinking, like, going like, oh, wow, like... This is, this is also deliberate. Like, even though it does, it really does fall in line with the formula of the time, there's choices being made and, like, conscious choices within the filming and the acting and the editing. Yeah, it, it's not a... Again, because we're, we are early in the boom, too, so yeah. it doesn't feel like a, like, paint-by-numbers slasher, um, and it doesn't feel cheap or, like... Um, like quickly put together um i think the production values are high mark um the director um mark i forgot the last name already uh mark rossman he worked with brian brian uh brian de palma and i think that has a lot to do with uh-huh. it too um and you can see that in the mm-hmm. movie um so he has has come off of working with you know one of the most acclaimed directors of all time. So he definitely has like a bit of, like he's learned, you know? Um, and it's funny because he didn't really do anything like this after. Um, he went on and they did like some decently budgeted stuff and like decently popular, but nothing ever really like this. He was, a, he was attached to one more horror movie called Mutant and then got taken off in like pre-production. So he barely got to work on it. But um, I definitely like, yeah, it's it's like you said, it feels it feels big, but it's tight. Like, it's yeah. very tightly constructed. Because yeah. um, it's only 90-something minutes. Yeah. Like, it doesn't drag at all. Because okay. I feel like that is one of the things I've noticed going back with these, like, 80s ones. They kind of burn out in the middle. Or when they're trying to develop the characters, they forget their what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then we get 45 minutes into the film, and then they're like, oh, shit. We better, like, fix right. this. Right. Oh, we're a slasher movie. Yeah. Um, and this doesn't do that. Yeah. Like you said, I think the way you put it, deliberate is the best way to put it. Um, it was not received well when it came out. Um, uh, it a was, it was like. A textbook example of the 1980 slasher film that boasts a devilish sense of humor. Um, John Kenneth Murr. Yeah, it had a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics that, um, like, were pulled. And when it came out, like B said, it's, like, textbook, a lot of people were like, it's not scary. Um, but in time, it has done very well. Um, Jim Harper, who's a noted, like, literary um, analyst, has said that it's moralistic slasher um, and has influence on films such as I Know What You Did Last Summer. And then in 2017, 
Complex included it in a retrospective of the best slasher films of all time. In 2018, uh, Inquisitor did the same, um, said it was a disturbing tale of revenge that plays as timely social commentary and noted as a horror film that has stood the test of time. Um, Which, again, I, I, you know, like, we talk about a lot is horror movies get kind of dinged because they're horror movies, and so sometimes people go in with the lens of this can't be film like it's not actual cinema or things like that and i think that's a lot of the times we see that with especially with the slasher boom because people have burned out and like this is like early into it but it is still post like halloween and friday and stuff so i think um i just don't think a lot of those movies got the proper respect that they deserve um the poster i did find the illustrator was jack lanewood who did a number of movie posters in this era before going on to just paint a bunch of airplanes. Um, yeah, and like vehicles and cars. Um, so, so a fine artist. Yeah. Very talented one. Yeah. Oh, this poster. Everybody's seen this poster, right? Like, this is definitely one of those that, like, has kind of gone down. And it, again, another one that I feel, like, feels very proto, feels very 70s. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, this, why is everything so church-like? Like, the whole Seven Sisters thing, this looks like it's in a church. It's like a window uh, with some dark velvety curtains and sunlight shining through on a anonymous woman, half-clothed. Uh, nothing can prepare you for what happens when she fights back. The house on Sorority Row, where nothing is off-limits. I hate this purple border. Um... That's okay, and I like the use of purple. Uh, I just... It makes it look like a paperback uh-huh. to me. Well, and that's partly the illustration. This looks like yeah. a Sex on the Frontier novel. <laughs> yes, it does. And that's not what this movie is. I mean, we have, what, one sex scene? Yeah. Yeah. It's... This just does not portray the film at all. I mean, it's well illustrated, but... And it's a captivating image. The typography, the hand type is interesting. I don't I don't mind it. Uh, but nothing about this really falls in line or gives me an impression of the feeling that the film emits. It's like when I've talked about like the I Know What You Did poster, for example, the original one, and how it's all blue. And tonally, that poster, yes, it's got pictures of the stars of the film. and But... The look of it, the color choices, the typography choices, it falls in line with the look of the film. They, like, are married to each other. They should. You're branding that film. This poster, there's nothing about it that I feel, like, properly represents this film. The only thing it does is offer a captivating image that might get people to pick it up just because they like how it looks. Uh, But then they're going to watch the movie and we use posters to help go, yes, I want to see that. Or I want to know more about that. Or, oh, wow, I wonder what this is about. We should watch it. When you go into it with certain expectations like this film and then you watch it, you're, you're leading yourself to be disappointed. Even if you like the movie, it's not going to be what you've gone in going to expect. That's the issue that I have with it. Yeah, and the director actually has gone on record saying he hates the poster. Um, His idea for the poster was a delivered style image of a hand rising out of the swimming pool. Um, The production company that picked this up to distribute um, 
Jack uh, Langwood worked for them, and this is like what he came up with. Um, but you know, like you said, it is one of those ones like you see it, and you immediately recognize it because it's definitely more the, one of the more well known, um, especially from like that era. But it, yeah, I mean, has that big problem of who is this character? She's not in the movie. Like this is not something that happens in the movie. This isn't even a very sexually like charged movie. No. Um, like there is one, maybe two instances of nudity. One, one, I think. Um, and it's brief. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's it's very strange that they chose this. Yeah. Um, um, it has a million fucking taglines. Uh, nothing can prepare you for when she fights back, where nothing is off limits, when the nightmare ends, the terror the terror begins. Uh, sisters in Life, Sisters in Death, which is one of the ones I like, actually. Uh-huh. Um, ple- pledge Theta Pi and Die, which I also kind of like. Um, and then Welcome Home to the Sorority of Your Nightmares, which I don't care for. So, like, the two I really, I actually really like Sisters in Life, Sisters in Death. And then play, uh, Pledge Theta Pi and Die is fun. Like, it's... It, well, and the Sisters in, um, Life, Sisters in Death sort of plays in with the themes of the film, too, where it's like they've, they've all sort of stumbled into this situation and they're kind of stuck with that, like, yeah. for better, for worse, and... But, like, where nothing is off limits is so generic and doesn't even really fit. I don't even like nothing can prepare you for what happens when she fights back. No. Because this isn't a revenge film. She fights back in the final minute of the film. Well, it's a red herring. It's making you think that it's Mrs. Oh, Slater. Oh, yeah. But, so, but still, not good. Um, and also, I really doubt anyone was in the movie going, No, remember on the poster it says yeah, she, she fights, fights back. back. Uh, no sequels, but it was remade in 09 by Summit Entertainment. It was, like, right at the tail end of the uh, slash remake boom in the 2000s. Well, yeah, 2009 was the year that pretty much fucking all of them came Yeah, out. that was, you know, Friday and Nightmare. And, uh, Halloween. And... Yeah, like, all of them. So, yeah. uh, but most of those were done by, like, Dimension or uh-huh. um, Platinum Dunes. And this was Summit. The same company picked up Twilight, so this was their entry. Uh we discussed Mark Rossman was the director. He's gone on to do Life Size and Model Behavior, which if you're not familiar, those were like made-for-TV Disney movies in the early D-com to mid-90s. originals. Yeah. Uh, Check them out on Disney Plus this November. Yeah, true. Our sponsor, Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah. I wish. Um, life Size, though, is the one where a, a model, like a, a mannequin comes to life, right? No. So Lindsay Lohan uh, buys a doll, which like also has it. It's like a Barbie doll. A Barbie doll. Very, very popular. And it's Tyra Tyra Banks and she comes to life. And then Model Behavior, which had Maggie Lawson in it. Justin Timberlake. Um, Cinderella Story, Perfect Man are both Hilary Duff movies. He also directed a lot of episodes of Lizzie McGuire, so him and Hilary Duff are tight, I guess. Sure. Um, I'll ask her about that next time I see her. Yeah. H. Duff. Yeah. Uh, he also wrote the movie, uh, along with Bobby Fine, but Bobby Fine just added additional dialogue. He was basically brought, brought in as like a script Taylor. Um, he never did anything else. Um, Richard banded the score, and if that name is familiar, it's because the bands are a dynasty in the horror world. Um, they were very popular in the 80s, like very, I'll say, like much more significant than they are now. They did a lot of movies like Reanimator and From Beyond. They did a lot of the H.P. Lovecraft um, uh, adaptations, so that includes like Reanimator, but also like Dagon and uh, Castle Freak. Um, 
and now I mean they're uh, they run full moon features which they're now very famous for um, the Puppet Master movies and also kind of like Z tier horror schlock like Ginger Dead Man and Evil Bong um, but the bands have been around forever and um, that makes sense because it's a really really well done score the score is great it's beautiful um, he's done over 80 movies yeah. and they're all genre yeah, this so is definitely one that you'd be like I could I could own that one well, I could just listen to that yeah and it's funny because if you grew up in horror like right in the era that we did like mid 90s late 90s to now the band name is synonymous with like cheap um, like cheap knockoff horror but they weren't always like when when Charlie Band's dad was running, like Charles Band, like very, very well respected in the horror industry, um, and they've done a lot of like really high grade stuff, and so this is definitely one of those like projects. Um, and it is, I, I mean, I'm, I always am kind of like I judge the score by if I remember it or not. Mm-hmm. And during the movie, I was like, this is super well done. Um, it has, it does one of my favorite things where it does stingers really well. Um, and then also there's numerous scenes in this where she starts hallucinating. And I thought the score during those scenes in particular was fantastic. And Um, even like the beginning, it, it, I really enjoyed in this one, how the lighter moments were treated with the music that didn't feel like they still felt like they belonged in the film without being, um, like coming out of a sitcom or too dark. So it's like, they were lighter moments, but they still felt in line with this sort of, like, college, spooky, like, environment, which yeah. I really enjoyed. Because it's, like, that's one of the things that was cracking me up about the score for The Mutilator is that all the lighter moments, I was like, what is this music playing? Like, like music. Yeah, what? This is ridiculous and totally takes you out of any kind of suspense. And so this one just sort of had that like, fall, like, mm-hmm. spooky, but fine. I don't know. No, it, like, that scene, the very opening scene where yeah. they're taking the picture, uh-huh. like, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, which is a beautiful, It's, like, very, shot. like, yeah, dreamy almost. Yeah. Um, and then, if you're interested, there is a live band in this movie, um, and they play a lot of music, and they're called Four Out of Five Doctors. They were good. Yeah, they were super, like, 80, like, the cars almost. Yeah. Which, R.I.P. Yeah, I was basic. just gonna say, yeah. R.I.P., um, Brick Ocasek passed away today, which is a bummer. I love the cars. Uh, Tim Sudhurst, or Sirstead, sorry, did the cinematography. Um, he's actually still pretty active in film. He did, um, a lot of 80s stuff, Critters, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and he also did Idiocracy more recently. Um, but he has definitely been around for a very long time. Very veteran, like, tenured guy. Um, and then edited by Paul Trejo and Jean-Marc Monsieur, who did Coneheads. Uh, and the cast is huge because um, oh, obviously massive. we have like our seven sisters. We have like their love interests, quote unquote. We have the um, we have Mrs. Slater. We have the doctor. We have the killer. I mean, the cast is massive. Um, almost all of them are first time actresses, and almost all of them are one time actresses. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so they, it was done well. Yeah, um, when I was researching it, it was like a lot of them, this was their only role. Um, they actually, the house they filmed in um, had squatters in it, and they let them be PAs. Randomly, I found out. Uh, but the big ones are Kate McNeil as Catherine. Um, she would go on to be in Monkey Shines, which was another horror movie, and then um, the movie Space Cowboys. Um, Eileen Davidson as Vicky. She's kind of like the 
the president of the sorority, like kind of the mean quote unquote mean girl. Um, and she did a lot of soaps, The Young and the Restless and Days of Our Lives. She's also on currently Real Housewives. Um, oh. Yes. Yeah. Which is weird that so many horror people end up there because Kyle uh-huh, from Real Housewives tricks. is from Halloween and she just signed for the new Halloween movie too. Um, Lois Kelso Hunt is Mrs. Slater. What was strange about her, she's she's an older actress. She's in three movies ever, or three roles ever. One episode of Homicide, the TV series from the 90s. And then, and then the movie Head of State with Chris Rock. Yep. And this. I forgot about that movie. It. Yeah. Um, and then her voice was dubbed over in this movie. Uh, yeah, so they didn't like her voice. Uh, it wasn't raspy enough. So after the movie was done filming, they had someone dub over it. Um, so yeah, so she's in three movies, her voice is in two. <laughs> her three roles, her voice is in two. Uh, and then we have just a slew of other people. Christopher Lawrence is Dr. Beck, Janicito is Liz, Robin Moy is Jeannie, Harley Kozak is Diane, um, Eileen Dorsher is Stevie, Jody Greggy is Morgan, our killer is Charles Serio is Eric, who doesn't really develop as, like, a character per se. Um, most of these people did a lot of what 80s actors do, which is lots of bits roll, bit yeah. roles on, like, daytime, or uh, nighttime TV. Uh, it is definitely a teen stream. Yeah, college. Mm-hmm. Neatly fits into that, like, very well. Um, our killer is Eric. So, Eric is, um, Mrs. Slater's son that we're almost, like, three quarters of the movie led to, well, even longer than that, led to believe isn't real. Um, so basically, the, and well, oh, that he's he like died a, at birth. Like you're, you, like it's, a, you're led to believe that he died at birth. And Mrs. Slater is, is like, crazy. Is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Because they keep doing this stuff about how her, she, she has some sort of either like a cancer or some malformation in her brain. Cause the yeah. doctor keeps looking at like CAT scans and saying like, oh, like things are happening. Like something's happening here and she shouldn't be left alone. I guess it's hard because I don't know if I felt this way because I, I knew that he was real, but, like, I didn't get that impression, especially with the whole, like, in case of emergency dog tag that he gives her in the very beginning. I was like, oh, well, she's obviously bringing him home for this weekend, and that's why. Yeah, I But that might just be, like I said, because I already knew, but for me, I'm like, well, yeah, of course he's alive. Because I think they want you to question it because they do the whole thing of they the girls even say oh that must be um they must have put her body what is her name i can't remember now that character stevie's body they switch stevie's body because they think they pulse like the body's out of the pool and then they find the body in the attic and they think it's stevie's body not mrs slater's and then they um like when Catherine goes up to the attic with Dr. Beck, she's like, who's Eric? And he's like, who, I don't know, who's Eric? And she's like, this card, and he's like, oh, her son. She, like, um, he says, like, she, uh, she celebrates a birthday for a son she never had or something like that. So I think they try to, like, fake you out. Make you think he's not Yeah, right. because yeah. it's, like, a reveal. No, for when sure. When they find Mrs. Slater is wrapped up in, yeah. like, the, the blanket. Yeah. Um, and that's another, yeah, it's... To me, that I don't know why B and I were talking about it before that like show, it felt like that whole like hidden sun and red herring. Like it just felt again, that's a proto thing to me. Like, well, feels... and I just looked; it was filmed in nineteen eighty. Oh, okay. So, so this is like a proto slash. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, was yeah. filmed really like before any of those other films even came out. 
Yeah. Um, so, but basically, Eric is like an experimental baby. Like, they don't really explain it, but basically, Mrs. Slater is supposed to be barren, and Dr. Beck does an experiment on her that makes it so she can have a child. Um, but he's basically deformed. You never see him. He wears... Well, you oh, see him at the end. Or, you, well, you see, see him, him over Dr. Beck's body, not in a mask. Yeah, but, like, he's shadowed. Um, yeah. And then also, that fucking clown mask is so creepy. That, like, the Joker. clown. Yeah, yeah. It's so creepy. It was really... I, I actually, like, gasped. Yeah. Um, it's... It's... It's scary. A very good, yeah. like, uh, twist. Um, but, uh... He witnesses his mother's death, and so that's why he goes on the killing spree of the sisters, um, because he has this room up in the attic where she's kept him the entire time that she's been a uh, house mother, and then he witnesses them accidentally murdering her, um, so he goes after them. And so, I mean, I think the motive works. Uh-huh. It's super, like, super soap opera-y slasher, you know? Um, like, the whole, like... Friday. Yeah, and it's, like, also the whole, like, hidden away, like, hidden in the attic and and all this stuff. But, like, I think it, it works very well. And then, like, they keep it pretty close to the chest. Like, they do pretty good with the, like, the... Who is it? The whodunit. They do. The whodunit is definitely a huge part of this film, and I do think they do a good job with this. You don't know if it's Mrs. Slater. You don't know if it's the doctor. You don't know if it's this mysterious son she may or may not have or whatever person if it is her son or somebody else she's involved with yeah uh for a while you might even think it's like that guy i was gonna say that blind date yeah because he's super weird and random so he has like no real role in the movie no and they even show him when the doctor shows up in the car he's like like trying to wake up or something and i was like what the, does he do anything in this movie? <laughs> I was like, does he come in and save them? I can't remember. And I'm like, yeah. nope, he just never shows up again. He's definitely, yeah, like Catherine, when she goes to call the police, like that whole part is like, well, do you think you should do that? Aren't you just overreacting? I'm like, huh. Yeah, it could definitely be him. Uh, we do get an iconic weapon. Yeah. Yeah, which is always nice. And it's pretty, I mean, it's used frequently and shown off a lot. It's an eagle-headed cane. Um, it's pretty creepy. It is cool. I like it a lot, actually. Yeah. Like, I think it's used very well. Um, and they do a pretty good job of, like, mixing the actual, like, seeing the deaths. And then I like some shadow deaths, too. Like, I think are effective for, like, um, like off-screen. But, like, they're not afraid. Like, they don't. There are parts where they decide not to pull the punch. Like, so I think it's nice. It doesn't go overboard. But it also isn't too restrained. Um, it has a 10 uh, kill count in the uncut version because in the actual uncut version Catherine actually dies in the end um, Eric does kill her um, he stabs her and she's found dead in the pool but people like test audiences thought it was too bleak um, and they didn't like it so they changed it so that she I do not like the ending of this movie no I don't it's either bad. it's really bad um, I agree and I think I don't think I like that either I think I wish I had a more definitive victory for Catherine. Um, and there's also things that bother me. Like, I understand she's, like... I just don't think you'd pass out. Like, adrenaline would be at an all-time high. Oh. And you, you you push someone down a ladder, which is, like, sure, you injured them. But they're probably not dead. Like, oh. um, so I don't love that at no, all. No, I yeah. feel like, yeah, my husband just popped in, like, literally the last ten minutes of the movie. He didn't watch this one with me, but he popped in. I was, like, in the nursery with my son, and he came in. 
and he watched the last 10 minutes. He's like, God, I hate endings like that. I'm like, yeah, it wasn't a good ending. And he's like, how was the movie? I'm like, the movie was excellent. It's really good. But I just forget what what I think I would have preferred, take notes, uh, is... Yeah, 1983. Yeah. <laughs> Take notes on this. This is my expert advice. What should have happened is that she should have done the whole thing. You fell down the stairs, and then she should have just been looking down at him. Could have been exhausted, whatever. And then we should see, like, the police show up. Like, at least lights and sirens. So we know that the cops are going to be there. And even if he opens his eyes and they want to do that, or why they're loading him up, then have the eyes pop open. I'm all okay with that. But there needs to be some sort of definitive okay cool so she just passes out and he obviously is awake and does he kill her does he escape what happens to her yeah, they're literally like eight feet away from each other yeah she, and she's like dead asleep yeah. upstairs and he wakes up which bothered no i agree like i was like ugh, i hate that ending yeah um so it makes me feel better knowing that it was something they changed but they should have changed it better. yeah and I, like I said, I don't love the original ending either because I want my final girl to survive, survive most of the time. Um, but yeah, so 10 in the uncut, 9 in the original cut, and that's 8 by the killer and then 1 on accident. Um, which, I don't know why it cut off on our list here. Oh, no, there she is. So yeah, our first kill is Mrs. Slater. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the story is we have these seven sorority sisters. Um, they're like the main... Um, they're, they're graduating. They're probably like, yeah. I don't really know how sororities work. I was not in one, nor do I know anybody who's ever been in a real sorority. Yeah, so they're graduating. From no, but college. I'm saying like, I don't know if those are like the leaders of the sorority oh, because yeah. they're graduating. Then yeah. like a new. I think that's usually how I it think works. It is. Like you yeah, have yeah, like yeah. a high, higher because it ups. is all all of them are leaving. Yeah. yeah, and so it's like the higher ups of the sorority are like saying goodbye and leaving. Yeah, and it's like Mrs. It's supposed to be Mrs. Slater's last year. She's been there forever and they want to throw a party in the house um but she closes the house every year on like june 19th um they don't really know why so they decide they're going to do it behind her back but she finds out and um you know she she kind of, she's very like crotchety and like um she doesn't you know it's it's funny too because i know i've rewatched the 09 one pretty recently and like carrie fisher's character is very different in that movie than, the, than mrs slater in this one because i remember her being like She's, like, cool at partying, <laughs> like, obviously. Like, she lets them throw that giant-ass party. I haven't seen Sorority Row since it came out oh, on okay. DVD, and I rented it, and I remember I watched it before I went into work, because I used to work at a record store, so I didn't go to work till like, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, um, and so I'd usually, like, wake up and then, like, watch a movie. Uh, and I remember, no, I have few memories, but I don't remember, I didn't like it when I watched it. I didn't enjoy that one. Um, so I'm curious to see how I feel. It's been getting a lot of love in the Twitterverse lately. Yes, and I um, like it. I know I like it. Okay. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm curious to approach it, but yeah. I can't. I forgot Carrie Fisher was in it. Yeah, she's the house mother. Yeah. yeah. Um, now I'm like, oh yeah. Totally and the story is it. way different. Yeah. It's like loosely based, like still like prank goes wrong, but um, right. very different. Um, but so they decide they're going to play a prank on her, like a real, so you know, real sorority prank, and so. They decide that the prank they're going to pull is they're going to pretend to shoot her with a real gun uh, that Vicky got from her boyfriend. And so they set up this whole elaborate thing where it's supposed to be blanks, but they like she thinks it's real because they set up, what are those called? The little 
packs that explode blood. I can forget what they're called, like when they use them in movies. Mm. Um, they set one up on like her friend's leg, and the lamppost is set to explode so that you think real bullets are used. And then she forces Mrs. Slater to get in their disgusting pool that never gets cleaned. And then he, she like pretends to shoot her, and it's blanks. And so like obviously she doesn't die. Um, but then when Mrs. Slater gets out of the pool, she hits her with a cane, and the gun drops and goes off, and it actually had one bullet in it. So it kills her, shoots her, shoots her, like right in the middle of her chest, falls in the pool, she and she dies. Um, and just like every group of teenagers in every horror movie ever, they decide, let's just hide the body and not tell anyone about this ever. So they wrap her in towels. Sisters in life and in death. Yeah, they wrap her in towels. They're like, we gotta have something heavy to weigh her down. Get the towels. And I'm like, I guess that works. Like, yeah. What? Wet towels are pretty heavy. Yeah. So they throw her in the pool, um, and she immediately floats to the top of the pool while they go off to throw their giant ass party. Um, so the rest of the, I mean, the rest of the movie is is pretty like systematic as far right. as slashers go. Where we're, you know, our sisters are kind of um, separated from each other for different reasons. You know, the pool light is on, so one of them goes to turn it off, or. Um, you know, different things, like, different scenarios like that. Gets them separated. Yeah, it gets them separated. And then we have a few, like, kind of random kills in the middle. So we do see um, the body out of the pool, like, led to believe that the body is climbing out of the pool, but we just basically see a wet body out of the pool and grab the cane. Um, and then there's, like, some random drunk guy in the in the woods behind the pool, and he's the first guy who gets stabbed in the neck with a cane. And again, like I said, I, I mean, I watched this a couple years ago. I kind of forgot that it just went, like, right, pretty brutal. I mean, uh -huh. just, like, neck right in the, th or, like, a uh, cane right in the throat, um, which is a good, like, I th it's a good start, like, to, it's one of those things where you feel encouraged, like, ooh, yeah, this is going to be good. Right. Because that, that was a solid, like, a pretty solid kill. Um, Stevie is our next to go. She is the one, um, she, like, has to go, they tell her to go turn the pool lights on. She goes downstairs. Okay. She goes down in this creepy fucking pool house. She goes to turn the lights on, and this ball rolls out of the shadows. And a hundred percent, I would be out of there as soon as that happened. There is zero chance. She literally goes to investigate, like, where the ball rolled from. Swinging light, ball rolled from. She goes to investigate. No. I see, the, I see a ball roll to me out of the shadows in a dark basement. I am getting the fuck out of there there's I, you can ask b i've ditched her ass in oh, her house one time yeah when i thought i was gonna get murdered like there's no chance in hell he I'm, literally like threw me in front of the window that had been opened yeah and like ran down the hallway yep. and i just immediately started dying laughing yeah because it's it like it's flat when they say flight or fight instinct exists it's real and it's flight for me like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely straight. the opposite. <laughs> I'm definitely the fighter and have numerous times done something and went, huh, this is a horror movie. I would have 100% just died because you don't investigate me. I always investigate. Yeah, and I probably would live. If it was a ball, movies. I would be like, huh, wonder why that ball's moving in here. What caused that? And then I'd go look. No, because I in would... my mind, there would be no cause for concern. Oh, in my mind, I immediately would be like, there is a demon in the corner playing ball with me. Uh, see, that's because you believe in demons and ghosts. Well, even, or there's a murderer, and now I'm going to run upstairs, lock that door, call the police. Hey, man, uh, I think there's someone broke into my house, and they go downstairs, and they find, like, a rat, like, push the ball towards me or whatever, but whatever. Better safe than sorry. 
Um, and that's kind of the motif we get is where like they're using toys to draw the girls out, um, and they're Eric's toys from the from the attic. Um, Morgan is the next to go, and I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit here because we added favorite quote to uh, our show not that long ago, and Morgan has the best quote in this movie. And by best quote, I mean worst delivered line. So if you listen to Attack of the Queer Wolf, and you should, um, it's Blumhouse's show that our producer Brennan is on, and um, uh, Michael Kennedy and they, um, and they do, like, they examine horror movies through a queer lens. But um, they, the intro to that podcast is a dubstep remix of just this one line, because it is so bad. The actress who plays Morgan, um, her name is Jody Drady. She was never in anything again. And their girls are all trying to decide what to do. And they, like, have decided that, like, Miss Slater is alive because they realize now the body's not in the pool. And she turns around, and in the weirdest, strangest, like, if a doll came to life, creepy voice, she goes, But what I said, I'm alive. And it's horrifying. Ow. Yeah, ow. Yeah, it's that Jimmy Fallon voice that he does. Uh, but what I said, I'm alive. Um, so that's my favorite line in the movie. But she's the next to die. She's also, I guess, the next closest to getting naked. Because she goes in her room and just immediately takes her shirt off and gets in her underwear. Yeah. That's how she handles stress. Right. I mean, I don't know. I enjoy being naked constantly. Maybe that's what I would do. 100% not what I do. Just be like, I don't know. Some really stressful shit happening. Let me just get my undies and, like, cope. I guess when I'm stressed, I take a shower. So yeah. I get naked. But I'm not, like, in my room. I don't know. Um... Sorry if you guys have to deal with us talking about getting in our underwear and getting naked, but that's the show. Uh, yes, guys, big news. Ryan showers naked. <laughs> yeah, no, I wear shorts. I'm a never <laughs> like Ron. Yeah. Like our friend Ron. Um, so Morgan's the next to die, also impaled with the cane. Um, a lot of people die, like, stabbed with the cane. Um, Diane is uh, killed after her. Like, Morgan was, like drawn out with a creepy-ass jack-in-the-box. Again, like a really weird clown jack-in-the-box. Um, Diane is killed. Jeannie is killed in the bathroom stall, which I think is a really cool scene. Um, and then her head uh-huh. is later found, which is the most gory part of the movie. You know, I know, love an after-reveal. Yeah, um, really solid, like, after-effect on that one. Like, full-on decapitated head in the toilet. Like, blood splattered everywhere, so... Pretty effective. Um, I that scene was really funny to me because she go. There's a lot of throwing up in this movie, which I think is valid. That, that you'd throw up in these like intense situations, right? Yeah. But she goes upstairs after he breaks through the window, and then she goes into the bathroom and then like throws up yeah. and flushes the toilet. Like, yeah, hey, yeah. here I am. No, she very like very much does not do a good job of hiding herself Which I don't all. think, is that even her intention? I'm starting to think of, like, did you just run upstairs to throw up? Like, oh shit, somebody's breaking in trying to kill me. Better go throw up. I don't know. That, I thought, was really weird. And then the whole, and then she, like, realizes he can't, comes in and then panics. I'm like, what did you expect? Was he not going to come after you? That's weird. I didn't really think of that. Yeah. I was, just, I was just, like, examining it, it and going, like, you're really loud. <laughs> it drives me nuts in horror movies when anyone's hiding. Always. Because even you're either, like, super loud, like, they're not very effective at hiding at all. Like, her, like, slamming the stall door, yeah. throwing up. Flushing or, the toilet. Yeah, flushing the toilet. Or, in every fucking horror movie ever, 
just the loudest breathing. Like, it drives me crazy. When they're hiding, they're like, <sighs> I'm like, that's really loud. Like, they 100% can hear you. Like, I get you're freaked out, but, like, it's not that, like, take a big breath and hold it. Like, you need to be fucking quiet. It's life or death. Like, stop panting. It drives me crazy when people do that. That was all of the Prom Night remake. It was just so much under the bed panting. Yeah, it just, like, and then I hate when they, like, realize they're panting, so they grab their mouth, and I'm like, no, just stop panting. Like, grabbing your mouth, now you're, like, now you're making even more noise. Stop it. Um... So while this is happening, like, Catherine is, like, running around the house trying to figure out what's going on. She gets a hold of Dr. Beck. Because um, she finds the dog tag. Yeah, she finds the dog tag, and he's like, stay right there, I need to come over. Like, definitely, like, kind of implies, like, something... Like, this is the first part where you start to, like, maybe think it's on Mrs. Slater because he's being very elusive. Um, and Liz and Vicky are driving the body, Mrs. Slater's body, out. I love this, too. They... Well, let's just bury her in the cemetery. And I'm like... Okay, like, they find an open grave with nothing in it, and they're like, let's just bury him. Like, people would notice. Like, what, son, someone dug that grave, and then also someone's supposed to be buried in there. Like, that's someone's grave, so people would notice, but okay, whatever. Um, so they're out at the cemetery, uh, which is conveniently located less than a mile away, and Dr. Beck shows up, um, and he drives Catherine out, and in the middle of all this, um, Vicky and Liz are both killed. Um... Liz has a pretty solid, like, throat-slashing scene in the front seat of the van, um, and then Vicky is stabbed in the eye with the cane, so both these kills back-to-back are pretty solid. Um, once they get out there, Dr. Beck and Catherine realize that they're both dead. He, uh, he unveils that they, who you think is, um, the girl's name, who I keep, Stevie, um, and then he sedates Catherine, and he... Um, this is, like... Some of my favorite scenes from the this movie. This is the best part of the movie yeah. to me. He takes her back to the sorority house, and he kind of unveils, like, the whole thing. Like, Eric, um, he knows about Eric, and he is trying to use her as bait to lure him in because he can't have people find out about him because it will ruin him. Like, it will ruin his practice. Um, he can't have people, like, he can't let people know he's doing these experimental, um, like, these experiments. So he's going to use her as bait to sedate Eric and take him back. And it's interesting because he doesn't want to kill Eric. Um, he just, like, literally wants to make sure no one knows about this. Yeah. Um, but, so once he sedates her, she starts, like, tripping, basically. Um, and these scenes are so good. Yeah, I love it. I love uh, how they were edited. Oh, they start, she starts having, like, stroby, flashy hallucinations and, like, dreamlike sequences. And they're really great because it's like of all of her friends' dead bodies. And at first it's like just their dead bodies. But then it will go back and their eyes start opening. Yeah, and they're like drowning in a pool. And then she's also like sitting on a couch, I think. Yeah. And just the way it's framed. And then you see her looking out into this open doorway. And she's just getting flashes of oh images. Oh my god, I loved it too. Oh so good. They're so like... At first, it's, like, like just two people dancing. Yeah, and then the cane is, like, floating. The cane's just floating by itself and spinning in a circle. And then it's it's Mrs. Slater and all her sorority sisters behind her, but they all look dead. And then they all, like, start... They also start, like... um, There's that scene where they all turn 90 degrees before they're facing the other way, but they're done... It's done in flash, like, split second. So they... You don't see them turn. It's just all of them in 90 degrees. And then they start walking towards the pool. Uh, It's really creepy super effective it is the this movie does like a good job that we don't see a lot in films from like 
the 80s. It's definitely, like, I think part of what makes it feel so proto is these sort of eerie, creepy, surreal images that you're like, fuck what's happening, like, what's going on, that really build, like, the dread that's scarier than the actual, like, impending killer. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the kill scenes are cool, and they're, like, they have some shock, like, every once in a while, you know, like, the first time, like, the king goes through the throat, you're like, oh, crap, or, like, when she finds the head in the stall, but, like, these are the scenes that you're like, this is, this is scary. Like, these are Uh creepy. Um, So, her blind date walks in, Dr. Beck shoots him on accident, like, thinking it's Eric, and she escapes up into the attic as Dr. Beck follows, Um, and he's looking for her when he is killed by Eric. Eric is hiding in one of the rooms, comes out, stabs Dr. Beck, and then there's the final showdown in the attic. Um, like, at first, Catherine tries to escape. She's just, like, running. She gets out on the patio. She realizes that, like, there's nowhere to really go. But she finds the ladder to the attic, and she gets up there. And Eric is dressed as the creepiest fucking Joker, Harlequin, weird doll, just sitting, like, limp in the corner. Um, and she's, like, waiting for him with a gun. And then he comes up and, and gets her, and she, she ends up stabbing him. Um with, like, the most random thing, too. She, like, literally finds... Oh, she oh, pops just, the head yeah. off a doll yeah. and stabs him with, like, the end of, like, whatever the head... Whatever connected the head to the body of the doll. Um, and then he falls down the stairs, and she passes out because she's exhausted, and his eyes open, and that's the end of our movie. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that his outfit is so good. It I, is. I really love it. it and it's very unexpected because uh-huh. there's no like we get the weird jack-in-the-box thing right uh, like but other than that it's not like it's he's never walking around in that costume there's no like heavy like circus or clown motif like throughout the movie no. um so for him to pop up in that thing is really creepy when they show it earlier in the film like up there yeah but it's like empty it's, so yeah. it's like a scare so you think that's over like you thought you watch it and you go, okay, like you think there's going to be somebody in it, but there's not. There's your scare because it's hella creepy. But then you see it again, so you've already told yourself nobody's in it. So it's like a really good level of surprise because of that. Especially the way they frame the shot. Yeah. It's framed so you're like, oh, that thing's going to pop up. But you're like, no, wait, we already saw it. There's yeah. nothing in it. And then when the head moves, you're like, oh, fuck, he's in it. Like, yeah. really good. Um, so Catherine, Catherine Rose, that's our final girl. Um, I think she's solid. Yeah. Um, she definitely doesn't have, like, an arc, but she, like, she does a lot of the things that I really enjoy from Final Girls, like, she's smart, um, she's intuitive, um, she's she, a kind person yeah. who wanted to do the right thing, so she was torn between doing the right thing and being loyal to her sisters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's, like, virtuous, um, but then she, like, she fights when she needs to, um, so I think she actually stacks up really well as a Final Girl, like, you know, not quite in our upper echelon, but I, you know, I think she's, uh, right, right in the middle, like right at the top of the middle of the pack. Top of the middle. Uh, my favorite kill, I think it has to be, I mean, because the after effect, obviously, of her head in the toilet is great. Um, and like even the kill itself, cause she, he like stabs her in the ear like, in the head. Um, but I think it's probably... We're watching it right now. This is my the, favorite kill. The Vicky kill? Yeah. 
through the eye. Yeah. It's pretty savage. She whacks her a couple times with the cane. Yeah. And then straight into her eye. Um, that's a really good kill. Yeah. No, I'm going to go with Morgan because the face she makes when she dies is the... She's my favorite person in this movie because she's really terrible. Mm-hmm. And then otherwise, like, really good movie. And even these, like, mostly one-time actresses are fine. Like, it's not like any of them are amazing, but they're fine. Like, Morgan is standout bad. And she makes this face like she's choking on her own tongue. Um, and it's really hysterical. And it's at, this is not very long after. Also, she's just, like, so dumb. Uh-huh. Like, because she, all of this weird stuff is happening. She finds this creepy jack-in-the-box on her patio, on her porch, and she she's, like, laughing at it. And then she gets stabbed in the middle of her chest, and she makes this... She, her face, she gets cross-eyed, and, like, her tongue is sticking out. It's ridiculous. You gotta watch the movie. She, um, well, I'm assuming you have. Yeah. And then Bees is Vicky. Yes. Just because, obviously, she's sort of, like, our bad girl of the film. You don't, you don't like her. You're, like, kind of waiting for her to die because she's taking advantage of all the other girls because she's the one who instigated it. But I love, this is the first time that it's not, like, a POV kill or, like, a, a hidden kill. It's the first time that we're going to see Eric. But you still make it sort of look like it's Mrs. Slater. Yeah, he's got, like, long hair. Yeah. And disheveled. So it's, like... It's mysterious, but then she's up against the the van and the blood, and it's just a really well done kill. It's cool too. I I do really enjoy it because like he stabs her a couple of times, and that would be enough. Like she yeah. can lay on the ground and die, but then you get that like really yeah. final through the eye kill. Um, position in the horror landscape. It's fairly well known. It's definitely something. If you're a slasher fan, it's going to be at, like, the top of the list when you're right. looking. Um, like, well-respected slasher Yeah, films. it falls in line a lot with the holiday ones. Yeah. Like, it definitely gets listed a lot with, you're going to find it with, like, The Black Christmas, My Bloody Valentine, like, those kind of horror movies. I think it gets lumped into those slashers a lot. It's definitely not, like, a complete unknown. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's sort of like a graduation film. Yeah, yeah. Where, where did you watch it? By the way, did you have to rent it? Um, so it is streaming through Showtime. Oh, um, Showtime. So if you have Showtime, right. it is available to stream. Otherwise, you can uh, rent it on YouTube for yeah, two ninety nine. Yeah, three bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it used to be on Prime. Yeah. It's no longer on because it was on Shutter, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you have Showtime or you want to do the seven day trial, uh, you can watch it. If you are new to the show, we do rank our movies at the end of our every episode. This is our 47th movie. Holy crap. Yeah. We're almost at two years, which will be 52, right, if we're bi-weekly and we're closely on, on track. Uh-huh. We're actually ahead. Uh, yeah, because we've done a couple, like, two-parter episodes. Um, so number one is still My Bloody Valentine from 1981, the reigning champion from earlier this year in February um and then, uh, earlier this year oh earlier last year last year yeah last year it Holy was like only, it was one of our earliest films we covered yeah wow uh, <laughs> man it's been on there we should track how long how many weeks it's been raining jam uh and then uh rounding out at the bottom of the list is April Fool's Day uh with Girls Night Out and Cry Wolf right above it um please go listen to those episodes to see why they rank so low Girls Night Out is bad but April Fool's Day and Cry Wolf have different reasons why they rank so low um this is a great movie. What did we watch last week? Uh, we watched. Don't don't tell me. I oh, know. I just remembered. Mm, we oh we watched Stupid. Yeah, Camp, yeah. Um, 
Which it's, we ranked 40th. Yeah, it's nice to go from that to this. Uh-huh. We deserve this. We did. We needed this. Yeah. No, this is really good. It is really good. It's, uh, like, so much better than you would expect. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at, like, top five, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think it... I think it does... just under Halloween 2018. It actually follows a lot of, like that journalist says, it has a lot of the same beats of I Know What You Did. Uh-huh. Um, no, I Know What You Did had to have taken some inspiration from this film. Big time, yeah. Um, but, oh man. But it's got that proto-slasher feel, which I really love. I just don't think the characters are as good. Okay, maybe I'm talking myself down a little. Yeah. Um, maybe like Under the Burning yeah, I would say, um, like, eight would be a good spot for it. So after... The burning of Before Happy Death Day? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's a slasher. It does really well, but it does fall into... And it follows that formula well. It is a true blue slasher. And we get the whodunit is so great. Uh, we've got a good final girl. We've got a cast of likable characters that are, you know sort of stumbling into situations of getting killed and all of that is really great. We've got a great score, yeah. um, excellent editing, super good directing. Um, yeah. great directing and writing, um, which is all good. Um, but then it has like the negative parts of being like a little bit too dumb sometimes, uh, having, you know, issues with the ending and the, you know, the validation of that, uh, the minor issues with, uh, the whole prank gone wrong, like how like silly as that prank actually is. You know, it's not even if it was like I know what you did, where it was legitimately like a pretty tragic accident, but instead it's like kind of a really weird prank that feels a little yeah. forced and a little silly. Uh, kind of like knock it down a little bit for me. Um, and then I just don't think it's as influential as The Burning. No, definitely not. It doesn't have, I mean, you can't, that rap scene alone, like what it's done with, like, the kills. Oh, and yeah. The innovation, yeah. and Cropsey is a much more interesting killer. Uh, I think all of these killers are more interesting than Eric. Uh, this is truly a like who done it oh it's this mysterious person that we did knew existed but it's not important who he is uh which i think takes away a little bit from having right. this slasher killer icon that we get in the burning but then is it better than happy death day which is a really good slasher and takes these slasher elements and really twists it i think so i think so mostly happy death day for sure has a more a more memorable killer, but it's only because we see them so much. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Tree is an icon. Right. Um, but it it doesn't feel like a slasher as much as this movie does. Yeah. Um, like like we said, it it takes original slasher beats and then moves them around in like creative and unique ways. But also because of that, it loses some of its slasher qualities. Yeah. So yeah, I think this is the perfect spot for it. So our new number eight. So just under the burning and then right above Happy Death Day is going to be the House on Sorority Row. Um, yeah. And so we will be back in two weeks um, if you guys want to keep up and um, 
along with us, we are going to be watching the Sorority Row remake from 2009, starring, uh, starring you know, um, such hit actresses like uh, Rumor Willis and... Uh, Audrina. Something. Yeah, Audrina. Yeah. I forgot she's in it. From the Hills. Yeah, what's her and, last name? Like Partridge or something? Yeah, I think it is. And what's her name? Jamie whatever from... Um, from Road Rules or, or oh, Real yeah. World, she was in it too. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a very like it was a very hip cast uh-huh. for the time. Like, yeah, a hundred percent has that uh, that. Oh yeah, the main girl. I loved her in the time. She was always in a bunch of TV shows I liked. Um, Leah Pipes. She was in the show about like living in Africa. Oh yeah, she's in the originals. Yeah, she was in a ton of TV I watched. She was in Vampire Diaries. Oh, she was from Glee. Um, yeah, she's Life is Wild. Life is Wild, yeah, that's the go. show. You know, anybody watch that? You know, Probably, one, probably Michael Kennedy. That's one, probably the one person One season. Uh, it was on the CW. She moves to South Africa. Fish out of water story. Really great. It's like reverse Mean Girls. Um, yeah. But we will be watching Sorority Row. And then um, we have our October lined up. And we'll just go ahead and drop that on you, too. So if you want to keep... I mean, October's going to be busy. Because, obviously, if you're a horror movie fan, most people do their 31 days. Um, So, if you want to get ahead of the curve, we are going to watch The Town That Dreaded Sundown, the original, and then The Town That Dreaded Sundown, the remake. Um, And we're doing both those Technically, I've been corrected that it's a sequel, not a remake. It's a sequel slash remake slash reboot. Like, it's literally everything. It's all of those. It's so many things. um, Because it's super meta. And it's very, you know, Brian Fuller. uh, Or, I mean, um, Brian Murphy. Um, So, but those are the two that we're going to be covering. So if you want to play like, you know, play it safe and make sure that you can keep up because everyone's October is going to be crazy because we're horror fans and we watch 31 movies or more. You can definitely go ahead and tag those in now. So we'll be back in two weeks with Sorority Row. And until then, keep screaming!